0: Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. This particular episode is from a series we call Conversations with a Collective, In this series, I am accessing the depth and the breadth of the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the questions and comments that I receive back from the collective. Enjoy! For those of you that don't know, my book, my first book, is now out. It is called 72 Keys to Manifestation, or an Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist. It is a child of love. this book is going to change your life. This book is about manifestation. I also wanted to let you know that I have charged it personally for anybody that purchases this book to literally set you up with the right frequencies for abundance. Literally, this book is going to be a true catalyst in your life. I'm not kidding you guys. There is real white magic that is working through this book. There is a barrier to entry that, you know, I as a being of light, I, I have my own guides that work with me. Um, they wanted to have a barrier to entry on the ancient knowledge that came through this book, right? Hence the price. But, but if you feel serious about unlocking your abundance, this is the book for you guys. I'm not kidding. It's going to work with your body, with your energy field on more levels than one. It is a multi layered book. There are only a few books like that on the face of planet Earth today. It is quite rare. So if you wanna check it out, and if you want to really literally notice and see the big difference of, and having your life transform, highly recommend you get yourself a copy. Do yourself a favor. You'll thank me later, I promise. Hello everyone and welcome, welcome to another episode of Conversations with a Collective. Really happy to be here today. We have a fun topic to discuss. Um, What I did earlier uh, prior to starting the session is I scanned the collective of humanity and I wanted to understand what topic we should be addressing today. There there were a couple of fun ones. There were a few that actually keep coming up um, that I wanna do sessions in the future, but one caught my eye today. And the topic that we're gonna be discussing is the relationship with your body your physical body apparently there is a lot that needs to be said apparently there is a lot that wants to come through and I do this in the state of flow in complete surrender to the service of humanity essentially Um, if you've been listening to this podcast before you know that in for this particular series in this particular format I'm able to connect to the energies of the Collective Humanity, uh, or the Human Collective, on planet Earth, alive and well today. And essentially, this is kind of like the biggest ever talk or panel discussion, if you will, where at any point in time, I'm able to tap into your feelings, your thoughts, what bothers you, anything that may be unclear, and we are able to have a conversation. Now, of course, for the podcast listeners, you may not hear the questions (laughs) that come through for the collective, I will hear them, but I'll do my best to translate those for you. All right, so let's dive deep. In terms of format, um, I'll just get a start with some you know, off-the-cuff uh, thoughts and information around the relationship with your body, and then later on, I'm gonna take a couple of questions from the collective, and that is the plan for the day. Cool, all right, let's dive right in. First things first, your physical body does not belong to you. That is probably the number one truth about the physicality of this existence that you need to understand. Your physical body is borrowed, essentially, matter. Borrowed matter. It does not belong to you. It never has. Yes, technically, you are temporarily using that. But it is not any more yours than the sun is yours, or the earth is yours, or let's say, I don't know, the Milky Way galaxy is yours. The relationship that you have with your body is that of a symbiosis. It is a sacred contract And it is created between the consciousness that is your body and your higher self before you incarnate. As such, it is not a relationship that you should take for granted, but it is a relationship that is reminiscent of slavery. Right now, the consciousness on planet Earth is so low that the way that the current relationship between the entity that is inhabiting the body, such as you or your consciousness, if you will, and the body itself have a very dysfunctional relationship. It's not necessarily always meant to, to be this way, but it's just yet another form of separation that is so inherent and so ever-present in third-dimensional worlds. Yeah, um, essentially you are um, inhabiting this you know, piece of matter temporarily, and it is very much a relationship and a symbiotic relationship. In, in, in terms of the contract that is being created between you and, you, you know, your higher self essentially and, and um, the entity of the consciousness of your body, it is a co-learning experience is like the best way for me to describe it. So what I mean by that is your body chooses to undergo certain experiences that are essentially guided by you as a soul as a means of its own personal evolution or the evolution of its consciousness, and vice versa, right? In some ways, you can think of it as, you know, a piece of clothing, or like a vehicle. I think like a vehicle is a really, really good um, proxy for this relationship, right? You are the driver, and it is the vehicle. Now, you obviously only have one (laughs) for the incarnation, until on this planet, they learn to transplant consciousness which is possible and it is possible in third-dimensional worlds it happens all the time especially with technocratic society so that is something that is going to definitely start happening fairly soon um all, all things considered however one thing that you need to understand about this relationship right it's not all about you so in this relationship it's just as much about the car as it is about the driver how does this work so when you choose to incarnate in a particular lineage when that is decided also sacred contract that particular lineage has almost like a garage that is filled with different types of cars, and bear with me for this analogy, right? So it may be, uh, generally speaking, um, the types of cars <laughs> that inhabit the garage. There's something similar. there are some similarities. Um, to the cars or the bodies that are available to a particular lineage, so it may be you know all the cars from like back from the '60s, or it may be like filled with Merse- filled with Mercedes, or it may only be filled with Ferraris, or maybe it's only filled with uh, pickup trucks. You know, you kind of get the idea, right? Now, it doesn't mean that there's you know only only one type of car for the uh, for the for the lineage. Obviously you know, for each lineage, you have a variety of female bodies that are present in that lineage and male bodies that are present in that lineage. That's why everybody's not essentially a carbon copy or a copy paste of each other. Depending on which role you are coming into for your lineage, you would be given options. What I mean by that is, we haven't really actually, maybe I should do like another episode on lineages. Honestly, there's so much to talk about when, when it comes to lineages. But the one topic we have not discussed is the role within the lineage. You know, there are many roles within the lineage. There's the founding couple, there are the guardians, um, you know, there are the healers of the lineage, there are the um essentially executives of the lineage that you know redetermine and redefine the direction etc etc there are some um there are shamans i mean the the there are many different types of roles you could have within the lineage as an incarnating soul depending on that you would be assigned to a body and certain bodies are reserved by the lineage for you know the creme de la creme so to say uh of the of of the titles within the lineage and then there are and then there's everything else what i mean by that is there are certain spots within your lineage certain titles or certain roles that you could play that are really important for the lineage or they're very covetable At, because of that you as a soul if you're incarnating let's say into a shaman of the lineage shamans are you know extremely powerful shamans are generally very supported by their lineages when I say shaman, I don't actually mean that somebody is going to go into the shamanic path. If you're a shaman for your lineage, it actually means that you are kind of like the magician of the lineage, for the lack of a better term. Um, and what that means is you're going to have the power to conceptually and on, on the physical level, not just conceptually, but quite literally transform and transmute the energies all the negativity and transform and upgrade essentially the energy of the whole lineage this is considered to be of great service for your lineage as such you're going to be offered vehicles cars if you will that are a lot more robust like in other words you're going to have more options compared to somebody that may just be you know like a, a more like regular participant of the lineage that the lineage is not necessarily counting on to do any specific hard work um On. That being said, you know, so essentially when you incarnate, you pick a vehicle and you are exceptionally, exceptionally deliberate when you're selecting your body. It is not a random choice because even with lineages that have a limited selection of cars or vehicles, that selection is pretty ample. So the first connection that you're missing and the first part where you can start reconnecting with your body is even understanding what kind of body you came in, because this is a dead, dead giveaway to what you're meant to be doing with yourself. And I'll give you a couple of examples. But let me finish my first my, my thought first. The relationship between humans and the vehicles that they inhabit is dysfunctional at best. Like I said, it is a relationship that is m- closest related to slavery, which is not necessarily ideal. The best relationships between vehicles and drivers is actually that of a partnership. That is what is considered to be healthy within the grand scheme of existence, right? What you're experiencing on planet Earth is not healthy, but of course it's characteristic of the vibrations of the planet and characteristic of where you are as a society today, so no big surprise here. Um, what I wanted to do in this episode is really just shed the lights on all the things you're missing out by not understanding the process of coming into your body and not understanding all like the variety of uh, the different types of information and clues and hints that you could derive from your body. To my point earlier, yes, it may be a slavery right now. And by a slavery, a relationship that I would describe as slavery, you essentially shut your bodies out, right? Like, so First things first like you uh, maybe I shouldn't overgeneralize but the majority of humanity does not think of their body as a something that they cannot take for granted something that is a gift right and they don't think of their body as a partner in crime so don't think they don't think of their body as an equal participant right they just think of their body as something that belongs to them enough so that enough of you don't even take care of you know your own bodies Right. So you you're kind of like disregard and you treated like a piece of your clothing or whatever, you're like an old piece of clothing that's always going to be there. And so you're like, oh, why should I take care of this? Anyhow, so by understanding the relationship with your body and all the clues that it contains, you could better align with your path and um, you could understand what, what you're really meant to do. That's just like one, you know, one way that understanding your body um, uh, enables you to do. but that's not the only thing, right? Fully understanding the messages that you're getting from your body and de- developing a relationship with your body would enable you to live a longer, happier more fulfilled life period. no questions asked. Okay, let's go back to one of my earlier points. Um, what I said was you should really first first things first like as you're s- diving into this relationship with your body, you should try to do an assessment of your body versus you know, other people's bodies, but not from a perspective of, I wanna compare myself to others or, you know, oh my God, I, I, I really like what they have and what I have is really not ideal. One thing that you need to get first and foremost is, there is a reason that you have the body that you do. There is a reason why you have selected it, right? So there was a choice. It wasn't like random that you ended up with this body. Even if this body, It has like a chronic disease or especially if it has a chronic disease or some other ailment. Like one thing I need you to understand is you selected it for a reason. You know, it was not an accident and it's not a punishment by any stretch of imagination. Your body is a gift. So how do you start understanding the map that is your body? And what are some of the mysteries? What are some of the hints that it contains? I'll give you some quick example examples. Uh, People that are skinny and tall tend to be the people that are not necessarily built for physical labor. So if you were planning an incarnation of a farmer or a hunter or something that, you know, has to do a lot with like physical labor, working with your hands, maybe like a factory worker, you would never go for a tall and skinny body there's no way you would never go for thin wrists right so what i want you to um pay attention to is the bone structure that you have your height that you have you know short tall average you know um do you have like you know what are the things that are kind of like unique about you um and we're not necessarily talking phenotype here. We're just talking like bone structure, right? Again, like people who, uh, for, for example, that come to work with hands or you know are meant to work on the land or earth types are gonna be more stout. They're gonna be shorter. They're generally gonna have um, short fingers, broader hands, you know? That is an example of somebody who's meant to do something with their hands. Now, of course, and now I'm gonna start talking in cliches, but I want you to start understanding that there are so many clues in your bodies, Artistically minded people tend to have a very thin, long fingers, and very often very thin wrists. So your, you know, musicians who are meant to play the piano, your painters, even your writers would tend to have fingers that are longer and thinner, kind of. Right? Again, these types of fingers are not built for any type of like hard work. Uh, you know, they're kind of like almost like artistically built, right? So, um, if you are, um, Yeah, I mean, there there's so many different examples of, of like how we could look at it. Um, you know, your body is like a dead giveaway for so many different things. Your body is a giveaway for what planet actually runs strong with you. I'll give you a quick example. Women that have an hourglass figure, they have Venus being very, very strong, right? Because uh, the hourglass type figure is um, a very uh, feminine, like it's probably the most feminine body type. So if you have an hourglass figure, Um, That probably means that in general, you are meant to either do things that are aesthetically pleasing or, you know, create more beauty because Venus is all about beauty. Venus is all about love. Right. So, you know, it's it's all kinds of, you know, um, things that are essentially you're not meant to be the shrinking violet. Like you're meant to let your beauty shine, um, you know, let it let it flow um somebody who is stout for instance right I'm, I'm just like maybe I'm going on a tangent but I really would want you to understand that your body contains so many clues already within it and you just need to understand how to read that map for example somebody that is has a strong Mars generally is a little shorter uh you know despite so like somebody who has a strong Mars especially men you know, has this fighter spirit is like a really, really good strategist. They're never going to be your tallest guy. The tallest guy is generally the guy that has, um, a really, really good connection with the sun. believe it or not. Right. So there are, you know, like your height matters a lot. Um, very often, uh, people that are supposed to be more intellectually minded or taller. So very often, uh, unless you're, Uh, So especially if you're tall and skinny, you're supposed to go um, for an intellectual profession of some sort. So either you are a sage of some sort, you're an intellectual, you're probably supposed to have more than one degree, you know, you're supposed to do brainy work. Um, You know, and that's just uh, a couple of examples. Now, Obviously, I won't be able to go through every body type. But pay attention. If it feels like somehow your direction in life, whatever you're doing somehow does not fit your body type. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a bell. It's like a, a red flag. That means you're probably not on your path. Your body is always going to be perfectly matched to your intended path, to the path that your higher self wanted for you. If that makes sense, right? Again, because your higher self created the path from A to Z for this incarnation for you, and it was selecting the vehicle that would best serve you in that quest right okay um so that is the first thing that i wanted to get out there now why don't we beyond you know some of the things that are uh, located inside of your body uh, beyond that like let's let's maybe talk about the actual relationship with your body I've already mentioned that it is that of slavery, uh, but it's a particular kind of slavery. It is a very silent relationship. So your body um, essentially has been talking to you since day one, like literally since the day that you have merged with your body temporarily. It has been sending you signals because you have invalidated the signals and also because you were born into the collective consciousness that does not acknowledge that your body is a partner, but rather treats your, you know, your body as a servant. The voice of your body has become incredibly faint. So I would say that in terms of how faint the voice of your body is, it's about two times quieter than the voice of your inner intuition. And let's just start with the fact that your inner intuition is already fairly quiet for most of you. For most of you, you don't have a good connection. You don't have a good grasp of when your intuition is talking to you. That's why those intuitive hits can be extremely faint sometimes. By the way, your intuitive hits are also your body. You know, that's your intuition does not only come from your body, but your body is one of the places that um, your intuition could come from. But in general, Intuition is, let's just say, as far as like body signals are concerned, intuition is one of the stronger signals that your body can send you. There are only a few other signals that your body is sending you that are stronger than your intuition. But if we're talking about developing a particular relation with your body, the voice of your body is two times lower, like two times less profound, less pronounced compared to the voice of your intuition. That's how quiet the body has become. The reason it has become that way is through conditioning, again, generation upon generation of humans that did not interact with their bodies in the way that it was meant to be or in the way that it frankly serves them and serves both parties, right? And you, can, you may imagine that if, if there is a relationship that is very one way, any kind of relationship, right? If one side always speaks up, but nobody is, like the second party is not listening, is not hearing, over time, this first party gets tired of just talking all the time and shuts out uh, and uh, or shuts down and doesn't want to talk anymore. And that is essentially what, what's happening with um, human bodies on, on planet Earth right now. Your body contains a lot of information that it can, at any point in time, start communicating to you. The first and most important piece of information that it has is it contains very important keys around your lineage or about your lineage. Remember, back to my example of the garage with a bunch of cars, right? Remember that your body is merely a car in the collective garage of your lineage, which means that, by definition, it is very much plugged into the greater family, your greater ancestor, ancestral family. It means, or it knows, you know, what kind of car it is it knows what kind of cars are there in you know in the rest of the garage so it is already plugged into the collective by the way one thing that's really important to notice uh, to note here is this your body is essentially your body or bodies the consciousness that surrounds it or uh, inhabits it it's it's a herd species if that makes sense so bodies don't ever exist in a vacuum that's why your body is incredibly wise, because at any point in time, it is a device, it is a tool, it is a consciousness that automatically connects into the rest of the network. So your body has awareness in and of itself. Your body has awareness of every single other body that is in your vicinity um, within actually a one mile radius. That is how aware your body is. Yes, the further away some like an object is from you, the less aware you are and less aware your body is. But that is how much it can scan. It can scan fairly large distances and that happens automatically, kind of like in the background. It's like a very routine procedure for your body to be able to scan its surroundings. That is why your body will be able to alert you to danger way before, way earlier. Um, Your body is exceptionally in tune as a compass, as a consciousness again, to the weather and the rest of planet Earth, because it is off planet Earth, it is made by planet Earth and all the organic materials, inorganic, that are inherent to planet Earth. So it is plugged into not only your lineage, the rest of humanity and the rest of planet Earth, it is essentially both a transmission and a receiving device that if properly attuned and if properly recognized would be able to better guide you in this crazy journey that you call life right there is a lot of unknown and that is the one thing that i want you to to, to get really really clear you are a guest on this planet whether you realize it or not whether you acknowledge it or not this is not your home base your hum- home base is upstairs. This artificial system that you come to incarnate into has consciousness that is native to to this game that we're playing right so planet earth right inhabits shall i say produces a particular types of vibrations and one way that it manifests itself is through your physical body now for this physical body that you have today this planet is a native planet so essentially if we think of human bodies as a species in and of itself which it is by the way right completely separate from your own consciousness there's like a species of human um bodies they are of the earth which means that they are a lot more adept at not only surviving but thriving in these conditions because again this is their home base and you're just the guest right you know, like when in Rome do as the Romans? Like your body already has all the intuitive wisdom that it needs in order to provide and create an environment for you where you could thrive. Now, you descend into the body and forget that in fact it is for this particular uh, setting within this particular game, your body actually understands the surroundings way better than you you do. Your body actually is more aware of the truth of the game that is being played. It is more aware of the entirety of everything else on this planet than you are. And yet you act, just because you're in the driver's seat, you act like you're the wiser one. And because of that, because of that, you tend to drive off a cliff, you know, hit all kinds of roadblocks, and in general, get into accidents all the time. Not to mention that 98% of the time, you're not even going to reach the destination that you set out to reach in the first place by coming into this incarnation, right? Again, because a big chunk of your guidance system is not tuned up properly. Let's talk about the guidance system, right? I've already mentioned to you, and we spoke about this many, many times, one of the most important parts of your guidance is your higher self. You know, if you cannot connect to your higher self, then we said the North Star, you know, is a proxy for your guidance system. That is one of the, the, like, it's a very important compass. However, in this particular sentence, we cannot discard and we cannot disregard the fact that another very, very important part of your guidance system is the physical body that you choose to incarnate in. You should think of it as a self-driving car, frankly, right? It's like all the things that you do on autopilot, all the things that are habits, etc. Who do you think does that? Who do you think does that? Your subconscious? No, it's not your subconscious. It's your body. It's the memory body. You know, the muscle body. You know how sometimes like, um, uh, it's, um, if, if you get like a food poisoning or something, um, and, you know, and when you know like why it happened, I don't know, like you ate a fish and you got food poisoning, couldn't eat anything you were throwing up for three days. Your body, for the rest of your life is going to have at least a small aversion to that particular kind of fish that you got food poisoning from because it's the body memory right it's not part of your subconscious by the way that food poisoning is not part of your subconscious it's going to be part of your body memory and not only is this by the way going to be the body memory of your current incarnation for this body bodies again are very interconnected and they're very wise So that memory of the food poisoning off of a particular fish is going to not die with this body, but it's going to be re-uploaded into your lineage. So every car in the garage of your lineage is going to have a semblance of a memory that essentially a particular kind of fish is poisonous or cause you food poisoning. So sometimes you have inexplicable aversion to certain foods and you don't even know why right it is possible that it could just be the body memory of the body you came into because again one of your ancestors had a particular type of experience with your body with their body sorry that is now essentially it's it's part of the memory but it's not in your subconscious because it's not your higher self that had that type of memory right and again, that's how I, like, wh- that's where we are starting to separate church and state. There are your memories that you have. There are the memories of your higher self. There are your past lives and all that good stuff. And then there is the wisdom and the memory bank of your body and your lineage that you receive by the virtue of coming into this incarnation and joining this symbiotic relationship. Like I said, There is a reason, obviously, like we all know why what's in it for you, you know, you're developing what's in it for the body. The body, you know, the consciousness of the body, um, the consciousness of the vehicle, of the car, has to essentially say yes to the mission that you're incarnating into. There are all kinds of missions and there are all kinds of things that souls plan You know, some souls might plan a terminal illness like a cancer, you know, prior to incarnating. Some souls may plan to go blind. Some souls may plan to go obese, etc, etc, etc. Let me tell you that you would not be able to do this unless there was a body that was willing to go through these experiences with you. In other words, there is nothing random under the sun. I want you to get... And I want you to understand how much of a commitment it is for your body to be able to agree to these things. Because as a consciousness, it does have feelings and it does have sensory perception. So if it has to go obese just because you want to go through that experience, essentially it's taking the grunt of that um, stress, right? The grunt of that action, right? Because Essentially, it's your body that's going to be in pain, right? And yes, you guys, you know, once you join, you you you, you create like a coherent organism. Both of you are in pain, right? It's not like we, at this point, we won't be able to separate your mental, your emotional, your physical. You're energetic. And that is kind of the whole point. But make no mistake, any disease, any physical discomfort, your body is going to feel way more than you do, right? I've mentioned that your body is sending you signals all the time. Intuition is just one way that your body could send you the signals. Uh, Where does that intuition come from? Again, it could be the collective memory of all the other bodies and all of your ancestors that is stored within its DNA structure. That could be one. Another hint or another uh, reason or Uh, background for the information that it could be giving you as an intuitive hit could be the level of awareness that it has as far as your surroundings so if your body notices something off about your surroundings it may send you an intuitive hit saying hey pay attention here maybe don't go there don't cross the road etc etc like danger right it would be sending you hits all the time but it speaks to you in many many other ways what are the other ways that your body speaks to you the most Obvious way is pain. Physical pain is... Okay, physical pain, you guys, is not a symptom of something. It is a communication device. Physical pain, especially acute pain, is a love language of your body. I know it sounds counterintuitive because how can pain, which inherently is so unpleasant, right, be a love language? very simple. It is showing you very loud and clear in a way that you cannot ignore what needs and requires your attention, what needs and requires for you to look into or meditate upon or pay attention to, right? What is something that is out of balance or out of alignment that you need to work on or get back into balance? That is pain. Pain in the physical body is a love language, including chronic pain. All of the pain is a love language. But at this point, you have—you're failing to recognize it as such. Is one and B. The level of pain. The level of pain that you experience. Is directly correlated to how great or not so great your relationship with your body is. If you have acute pains, quite often, that means that your relationship with your body is not great. That means that you, on some level, consciously or subconsciously, refuse to hear its call. And you refuse to get messages from it and act upon those messages. And when and if you do that, your body has no other options but it has to send you very acute pain so you start paying attention to the message right so for people that actually happen let's let's take the reverse approach right on the flip side the people that have a good relationship with their body and we can talk about what that means they hardly ever experience pain and definitely not acute pain because generally the pain doesn't start off in its most acutest form ever it generally starts very mild, like a nudge. And then acute pain is essentially your body yelling at you because you have missed the first 10 very obvious signs that something was wrong, right? Now, how do I know that the relationship with between humanity and their bodies is dysfunctional it is painkillers and how prevalent painkillers are, especially in the Western world? You guys, honestly, I mean... <sighs> so many painkillers painkillers for every type of pain and the amount of painkillers per each pill that you guys have is just boggles my mind it literally is fit for like a robotic (laughs) type of society right like the amount of milligrams of ibuprofen you have in your advil pills etc etc that you use for a common headache could put like a baby elephant out of commission for a couple of days so here is a danger with painkillers. Painkillers, essentially, it, obviously, it doesn't fix the, the reason or the issue. And duh, of course, you know that. That's not why you take painkillers. But essentially, a painkiller is, is like, shutting, it's like shutting your body up. And what I mean by that is, imagine having an argument, right? Imagine you're married to someone, because essentially, being incarnated in a body is like a marriage, only like the one you can really divorce from. Right? It's not like you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm 30. I hate my body. Can I just please jump into this 13-year-old? It doesn't work that way. Not yet. Anyhow. So it is a fully committed on marriage or relationship that you're stuck with, essentially. And so imagine that you're the guy and you have a wife and your wife is your body. Bear with me for this analogy. And so your wife is like really mad at you. Or there is like something that's dysfunctional that's going on. She really wants to call attention to it. And you're like shut up honey i like i'm not ready to hear you and that essentially you're shutting it up shutting shutting her up with a bunch of painkillers now the problem is still here right she's just as mad at you only now you're like okay duct tape don't want to hear you type of situation What does that mean? Does that mean that that pain is going to go away? No, what that means is now you have an even more dysfunctional relationship with your body and now that pain may start manifesting in ways that you're not going to be able to address. Because an acute pain in one of your organs that you are not paying attention to and you're shutting down with painkillers would not go away, but it may migrate and may t- turn itself into something that's chronic or something that is going to be impossible to ignore or impossible to, to just kill off with a painkiller. So that type of like, you know, consistently shutting your body down when it wants to give you legitimate information is not the way into a healthy life. So I actually, what would be the, the right way to treat pain? The right way to treat pain is to understand that this is a love language and a form of communication. Pain that your body's sending to you is a message that you cannot ignore. It requires for you to go deeper into it and within it instead of running away from it. Yes, that is exactly what it is. By killing that pain, You're doing yourself a big disservice and essentially are signing up for other ways for that pain to get manifested and you're not going to love those ways. What I recommend that you do is start developing a relationship with your body. I'm going to give you a really, really quick example of what I mean. If you experience a headache or any type of pain anywhere else that you feel is out of nowhere, You want to start developing a sense of intuition and uh, you want to start working on your knowing of what that pain is here to tell you, you know? And one way to do that is through automatic writing. Automatic writing is a practice where essentially you write down the question and then, you know, your hand then writes down the answer, right? When I say your hand writes down the answer, like it literally, when you do it right, if you do it right, it feels like the hand is moving on the paper without you having to do anything. Like it's literally like, it's almost like you're downloading the answer from like the universe or whatever. Um, here's how you would like, uh, in this particular case, this is how you would use automatic writing. If your body is giving you a headache, let's take a very simple example, it's a headache. You wanna take out a piece of paper, sit down and ask your body the question. Um, you, you can be like, okay, I acknowledge that you're giving me the headache or you just sent me a headache. What are you trying to tell me by sending me this message is the question. And then you can write down underneath that sentence, answer, semicolon, and then allow your body to tell you what their answer is. Why did it send you that pain? Why did it send you that sense of discomfort? It will tell you. It will tell you what it is, right? And then you can keep talking to your body and you can be like, how can I best heal it, you know? Or what is it that you would need me to do for us to get rid of this pain, right? And by the way, trust me, the answer is not going to be the painkiller. It won't be. Sometimes your body needs you to slow down. Sometimes your body needs you to stop overthinking. Sometimes the body needs you to make a decision already. You know, there could be many, many reasons, Sometimes your body needs you to detox, you know, it's possible. It could be that there are so many toxins that at this point, your body doesn't know what to do with the toxins. Again, so one way to develop a relationship with your body is actually automatic writing, like literally pretend like you're having a conversation with your body. Another way to do that is you may write a letter from your body to you, literally, You can take a piece of paper, you know, and you can do that whether you're experiencing pain currently or not. But that is one way to start getting into that relationship mode with your body. And the letter should say, Dear John, or like, Dear X, and X is your name, right? Put in like, whatever your name is, right? So Dear John, that's how the letter should start. I am your body, and I would like to talk to you today. And then literally just like, let. The words fill the page and allow your body to communicate to you what it has been wanting to communicate all along. Over time, if you do enough of these, right? And if you do not enough of these like automated writing concepts, and by the way, one of the reasons that it works is, like like I said, your hand is going to write it down. And don't remember, don't forget, the hand actually belongs to your body, right? So your body is essentially producing that result. That's one way to communicate. Some other people who have, you know, clairaudience, fairly well established or have like a propensity for that. They may be able to even hear the answers in, in their heads. That is also one way to communicate with your body. Know though, right, that initially that voice of your body is going to be exceptionally faint. Because your body hasn't used its voice in so many centuries, this particular body hasn't, right? By the way, when I say this particular body, like when you die, it disintegrates, but then it comes back again. So there is continuity for the vehicle that you're in, right? It's like a car that, like, you know, let's say it's like a red Corvette, whatever, of, uh, you know, that's um, that was manufactured in year two thousand. I'm just making it up, right? When you die and this red Corvette disintegrates, it still is part of the garage of your lineage. And whenever this red Corvette gets selected next time around, for this red Corvette there's gonna be continuity, right? So that red Corvette, when it gets birthed again, or when it gets used or leveraged again for an incarnation, is gonna have all the memories of this current incarnation, right? So in in um you know there is always continuity right. So whatever you leave this body with is is essentially going to partially determine its destiny. So just also understand your impact. You know understand that this is not some inanimate object that you don't you know you don't care about or shouldn't care about. Uh, but also understand that you know if you are inside of a body that has been neglected by drivers for centuries time and time again it's a voice when it comes through is going to be exceptionally faint because its vocal cords so to say haven't been trained they haven't been used and so they've gotten a little bit you know um weak and because of that they're there it's going to take time for your body to start speaking to you full force with a lot of power and a lot of Potency. So even if you're able to hear the voice of your of your body inside of your head, you know initially it could be faint, and then over time it would become louder and louder and louder. Um, there's another exercise that I would like to suggest, which is it's not a meditation. It's just an exercise, but it's also um, it goes back to the very very important point of yes, you are in a symbiotic partnership hopefully symbiotic, right? Hopefully you're going to leave your body better off than you found it, which is a big, big question mark, right? Um, That we can talk about later. But an important thing to understand is in this relationship, the more you, like in every other relationship, the more you give to your partner, the more you receive. So the better care you take of your body, the better it will reciprocate. The better it's going to be able to guide you. The better it's gonna be able to preserve your youth, the better it's gonna be able to preserve your health, the better it's gonna be able to align you, et cetera, et cetera, to your best direction, on put put you on your best path. What do I mean by that? One key point to understand here is what you like and what your body likes may be completely different things. What you want versus Versus what your body wants. Maybe completely different things. Because you essentially are not one and the same. What serves you may actually hurt your body. And what hurts your body may serve you. How about that? So he, if you are looking to develop a relationship with your body, you need to start separating church and state and being very deliberate about it. I uh, um, here Here's what you could do. Take out a piece of paper, divide it into two parts, like with a vertical line. On the left, write down the title or the header that says things my body loves. And on the right, write down things I love. And then don't think about it. Don't try to over-rationalize it or be like, what the heck does this mean? Fill out both sides of the page. What are the things, activities, hobbies, what have you, that your body likes and what are the things that you like? And you will notice that those may be very different things, very different things indeed. You may notice, for instance, that your body likes to be, you know, inside of the ocean, like in the ocean submerged to swimming, Right? But you may notice that you yourself actually may be afraid of like of water or drowning or what have you, because it may just so be that your higher self has had experiences of drowning, right? That's just one quick example, right? It is important to understand what your body loves versus what you love. And it's actually important to cater to both. It's not an either or world, you guys, because since you are an ecosystem that essentially is one plus one equals hopefully one million, right? You cannot just make one part of you happy and completely disregard the other part and still end up at like one plus one equals one million. It doesn't work that way, right? So, how about you commit to doing at least one idea or ideally two to three things from the left column of your page, from the left side of your page? From the side of your page of like what does my body love truly right despite the fact that might not be on the right side of your page and that you know your higher self could care less right because again as part of this collective ecosystem you can only benefit from nurturing the entirety of who you are including the part of you that is your physical body and again no judgment your physical body knows exactly what it loves. Your physical body knows exactly what fills it up versus drains it. And you can, by the way, do the reverse exercise as well. You can do the flip side. You know, flip the page or take out a new page. And then you can you can divide it in two sides again and be like, what are the things that my body hates? And on the right side, what are the things that my higher self hates? And that is such a great introspective exercise, you guys. It's eye-opening. Here, your actions are going to be quite the reverse, right? You would want to start eradicating certain things that you do most frequently if your body really hates them. Because there is, I'll I'll give you a quick example. Um, Your body may really, really, really hate coffee. But your higher self may actually enjoy it. Uh, Why? For example, your higher self may be a go-getter type A overachiever that wants you to go, go, go and I don't know, work 24-7 and overachieve. But your physical body may have a really, really hard time processing coffee. If that is the case, right, there, it could be so that you have habits, you have developed habits that serve only one part of you but really hurt the other part of you. If that is the case, right, now, I mean, there are certain habits that you may still choose to to keep going with, and that's fine. But there may be opportunities for you to stop doing certain things or minimize certain things, right? So I don't know, like in this particular example, If you're drinking three cups of coffee a day, maybe go to two, maybe go to one. By the way, your body, if you're unsure how much caffeine your body can take or how much alcohol your body can take, you can ask your body, literally in the same automated writing format. You know, question, answer. How much can you handle? Can you handle this? Can you handle that? Am I okay? How do you feel when I give you X to eat, drink, or what have you? You know, your body is going to respond. Another thing that's really worth mentioning here is this no two bodies are created equal there is no panacea there is no correct answer that is going to be true for a hundred percent of human bodies as in whatever serves one human body could completely hurt the other body whatever brings one human body into balance brings another human body completely out of balance You don't know which, which way you fall unless you pay attention. Some bodies love meats and milks and you know, fish and all of that good stuff. Other bodies can handle. Some bodies love pastries. Other bodies can handle pastries. One thing I would urge you to do is always go within. So instead of saying, ring up on like this new diet and what's wrong with my body and blah, 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 trying to lose weight, you, you know, no external source is going to be able to provide all the right answers for you because the answers are unique to you and unique to your lineage, unique to the experiences that that lineage had, including, you know, the, the negative experiences, like all the food poisonings your, your lineage had, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And so it is completely impossible to use a general rule of greens are good for you and nightshades are bad for you in your particular case because your answers for your particular body may be exactly the reverse of the majority of humanity. Huh? How about that for an insight? So I actually strongly encourage you in this particular exercise, right? to ask your body, what are the foods that it likes and what are the foods that it doesn't want? And again, you can do the writing exercise. You can you can divide, you can take a page out again and, and divide it into two parts. On the left, you can write down um, the things from the perspective of your body. You know, things that I want more of would be on the left, or like foods. And on the right would be foods that I want less of. And you would just write it out from the perspective of your body. And your body is going to tell you what it wants you to eat more of and what are the things it wants you to eat less of. By the way, by the way, once you start following it, you will start noticing big shifts in how you feel on a day-to-day basis. By the way, how how much water you're supposed to drink, how many glasses of water you're supposed to, to drink a day, you need to ask your body. There's no such thing as eight glasses is like the perfect measurement. Who knows? It could be two glasses, it could be 12. You'll never find out unless your body, uh, unless you ask your body. And pay attention to your digestion. Literally. Pay attention to the things that cause your stomach to feel really good and amazing and things that cause you to feel suboptimal. Because that is another way that your body speaks with you, right? Like it's been sending hints all along. The problem is, at this point, you're not at all paying attention to any of the signs, unless it's food poisoning, and then you're like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have eaten that." But it doesn't have to get to the food poisoning. Does your body, Does your stomach feel heavy? It's not supposed to. You know, are you? Do you feel bloated? You're not supposed to, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. My dear friend, please pardon this quick interruption. If you like our podcast, we ask that you please help us spread the light by leaving a review on Apple podcast so that more people could discover our content. Thank you so much. Blessed soul. I would like to take a question from the collective, anything around your relation to your body that you wanted to ask, because I feel like we're ready for the question. Okay. Uh, Please only step forward. If you feel that this question of yours is going to benefit the collective humanity. Thank you. I'm ready to take the question. Oh, what a great question. Interesting. Um, the question is actually from a pregnant woman. And she's asking me, how do I know that what I am consuming serves my baby? And the question is actually quite insightful, right? Because she is interested to understand what does she end uh, and, and her baby begins, right? Could it be so that, could it be so that, you know, there are some foods that she likes and the baby hates. And the answer is absolutely freaking lutely Because the body that you're growing inside of your body is like another baby car growing inside of your larger car. I mean, pardon my analogy, but we're going with it, right? We're diving deep, you guys, all the way, writing this analogy that I, I keep using. In other words, in other words, just because you, you t- your two cars are from the same garage, it doesn't mean that they're identical, you may be a Corvette and they may be a Ford or vice versa. Who knows, right? So just because they're your baby and they're growing inside of your womb doesn't mean that they are a copy paste of, of your microbiome, et cetera, et cetera, because they're not. Generally, you know, and pregnant women are going to tell you that. Their their tastes change, but not that just their taste, not that just their taste, but like in general, A lot changes when you're pregnant because essentially you're uh, an amalgamation of two beings instead of one. Sometimes there are certain, you know, like there's a lot of examples there, like a woman used to like a particular food. She gets pregnant, can't stand it, throws up all the time, can't stand it. Same thing with smells, like a particular smell used to like be appealing is no longer appealing. And by the way, when when she gives birth over time, you know, after some time, it may just flip and go back or it may not it actually depends. In other words, when you are pregnant, you have to factor in that now as a mother, um, as a, you know, as a future mother, you are essentially responsible for two bodies and the same exercises that we did just now for yourself, I would recommend to do for both you and your baby because, uh, and what, what do I mean by that? Like, you're gonna have to divide, you know, your, your page three ways. You know, what are the things that my body loves? What are the things that my baby body loves? What are the things that my higher self one loves? You can do the same thing about foods. You know, what are the foods that my body loves? What are the foods that my baby body loves? And commit, you know, if you want to be a nurturing mother that, you know, that I know in the heart of hearts that you are, you know, start optimizing for, for your baby also, but... It's a very, very important concept. Don't ever establish yet another relationship of slavery. It's bad enough that your body feels like a slave to you. If double slavery, no bueno. What do I mean by double slavery? If your body feels like it is a slave to you as in your higher self, as well as to this new baby that's growing inside of it, it's like double slavery. It's like slavery squared. Not good news. That is why very often, you know, when when you as a driver put your own body last, it is such like a betrayal of trust um, between the, the, for this like sacred relationship that your body may start like kind of like prematurely aging and decaying almost because it's it's like withering away. Because it doesn't feel loved. By the way, your body knows at any point in time how you feel about it. It has, like, it, it knows. It knows what areas you accept, what you consider acceptable, what areas you love, what areas you hate, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? And it's going to start acting accordingly. There is a reason why people that are confident that love themselves have better bodies and, like, they're prettier. And then the ones that have a ton of negative self-talk, they don't look as cute, is because not only are they... Uh, their thoughts material, but in the same way that like if the husband loves the wife, you know, the women that are loved truly are always prettier than the women that are not. It's because how the husband feels about them actually changes the dynamics of the energy that moves around, right? Of course, it changes their self-confidence and all of the good stuff as well. But in the same way, like if you, if your body feels loved by you, it's always going to give you back amazing stuff. We're going back to the pregnant example and the conundrum here. What I see often, too often, is the mother perceives herself as a slave to her child. That is just the mentality of martyrdom and the mentality of sacrifice, a remnant of, you know, the good old days. Uh, And also the age of the Pisces is is, is the age of the martyr, and, and thankfully we're coming out of it. But in other words... One thing I'll tell you is let's go back to how the relationship is supposed to be in the first place. The relation between your body and your higher self in the first place is supposed to be an equilateral relationship, a relationship where two partners are considered equal. When the car is not better than the driver and the driver is not better than the car, but together they are an ecosystem, if that makes sense. The same way, it's never supposed to be It was never supposed to be that the mother has to self-sacrifice and put herself way last to please the child. It is a dysfunction within the human collective. The correct relationship is that of a symbiosis and a partnership. In other words, I serve the baby, the baby serves me. It's an exchange. It's an energetic exchange. It's not always one-way communication. It's not a one-way street. First, you say, yes, of course. I'm ready to sacrifice for you. Do whatever you want with my body. Also, I'm going to eat the things that you want, my child, because you're inside of me. And I'm going to stop eating what I want. I'm going to do what you want. And I'm going to stop getting, I don't know, let's, let's say the baby doesn't want to get sleep. Um, the baby is an early riser, but the, the mother is a night owl. Very often the sleeping habits of women are going to change because she's trying to adjust to the baby. You have to fill your own cup first as a mother. You cannot betray your body. You cannot put your body last and expect your body to act like a loving counterpart in a relationship where it doesn't feel loved. So when you're doing this exercise of what I love and what my baby loves, God forbid Do you put yourself last and say, I'm going to eat what my baby wants. And I'm going to say, screw you and I'm not going to eat what I want. That is not how it's supposed to work. Because by saying, I'm going to sacrifice for my baby, you're developing a dysfunctional relationship that by definition is a slavery type of relationship. So your baby has no choice but to be birthed into that dysfunction. And the baby has no choice but to mirror that dysfunction back to you. What are the ways that the baby can mirror the res- dysfunction back to you? Many. The baby can rebel. The baby can start, like, on, on some, like, I don't know, like, uh, get, uh, as it grows up, right? You know, it could start developing a very dysfunctional relationship with you, whether like, it either does not take your authority very well or starts getting bad habits or doesn't treat you well at all, doesn't help you, you know, there's all kinds of ways that, you know, a relationship between a child and a parent can be dysfunctional, but why don't you start taking responsibility for your part of the pie? Are you a piece of the pie? You're a piece of the puzzle. And that is it starts in your womb, my darling. My darling's by you saying, I'm going to sacrifice anything and everything as long as my baby's happy. I'm going to sacrifice my relationship with my husband you know, my friendships, all in the name of this baby. You are not serving the baby by not filling up your cup first. You are not. Okay. Great question. Thank you so much. I actually really love this question. I think it's very insightful and I'm glad that we went there. Um, I'll take uh, another question from the collective. Anything that has to do about the relationship with your body. Anything else you wanted to ask? As long as it serves humanity, I am ready to take the question. The question is, I am overweight. What can I do? Everybody in my um, family is overweight. So I feel like I don't... Essentially, it's a predicament. And I cannot change anything. So... You know, nobody is able to lose weight in my family. How can I lose weight? I love this. This is a great question. Let's talk about weight loss. And let's talk about the fact that weight loss, uh, obesity, shall I say, tends to run in the families. It is one of those things that very often, if you have this propensity, it's one of those that travels kind of like across generations. Until that cycle and until that pattern is broken. What causes obesity? Obesity, fat essentially, right? Is an insulation material. But the simplest way to think about it is like the padding, right? So essentially, your body is creating padding all over in every which way direction. Padding is created as a self-preservation mechanism, as a defense mechanism. Padding is a safety mechanism, right? So essentially, for most obese people, you put on a weight, right? Not to sound like a broken record, but you put on the weight because you don't feel safe in this world for one way for one reason or another pretty much that is the root cause of obesity because you don't feel safe to be who you are because you don't feel safe around others or out there in the world you're going to want to create padding and insulation material and kind of like almost like dress yourself up with fat so that you cannot get hurt as much so that you know you um are more protected it's almost like a set of armor so that's what you should be thinking about right and again it does run in the families among other things there are other you know obviously there's many things that run in the families like um high blood pressure runs in the families cancers run in the families right and they run in the families because again there is only a limited number of cars in that garage And they also, all of these cars are communicating with each other. So essentially, all of these cars are one network. And so if there is an ailment or a feeling or a frequency that is very prevalent in your lineage, it will manifest itself through the physical bodies, through the vehicles that your lineage travels in. So, you actually, if you want to really serve yourself and serve your lineage, you wouldn't put yourself on a diet. Because putting yourself on a diet and losing weight actually doesn't serve you. It's like, it's it's counterintuitive, right? Because your body was working so damn hard, by the way, to protect you from this outward world, from all these stressors. Uh, because actually getting, you know, becoming obese and developing all this, like, insulation is actually really, really hard work for the body. Like, the body actually needs to, has to do real work, and put in a lot of effort into becoming fat. That's hard work, you guys. Not easy. Not easy. There's a reason why it's doing that work. It's because it believes that it's protecting itself and it's protecting you. Right? Your body always wants to serve you. It never wants to hurt you. And now you're like, well, why don't you you know, lose some weight here? Diet. There, It's going to be a massive disconnect between the body wanting to protect you. And then, the you know, losing weight. And that is why very often when, you know, it's, it's um, for the people that try to lose weight, if they put themselves on a strict diet, then they gain, weight, they gain the weight back. So first they try to emaciate themselves and like not eat or whatever, put themselves through, you know, hell by trying to stick to a diet and then they put it back on. Well, of course they put it back on because there is a reason why the padding existed in the first place. It's a defense mechanism. If you're not fixing the root cause issue... If you're not fixing the root cause insecurity, then you're going to keep needing the padding. I'm telling you the only way out of this pattern is going smack into the thing that makes you feel the most insecure. Asking yourself the question of what is it that I'm trying to protect myself from? What is it that I'm so bloody afraid of? What is it in the outside world that makes me so uncomfortable that I need to protect myself with a coat of armor? What is it? I hate to say this, the answer is going to be different for each of you. For some of you, it's relationships. For some of you, it's um, social setting discomfort, which I guess is another way of saying relationships, but not really. For some of you, it's the judgment. You know, that is the frequency that uh, could cause you to develop obesity. You know, if you're trying to protect yourself from judgment. The core question is, what is it that I'm trying to protect myself from? literally write a letter for yourself to yourself and be like, what is it I'm trying to protect myself from? Right? And if you're serious about losing weight, but not only losing weight, keeping the weight off and changing that pattern for your lineage, healing that aspect of yourself is paramount. Right? The funny part is, the one thing, it's, it's like a flip, um, like two, two, um, two sides of the same coin. Let's say that you are um trying to protect yourself from a, a relationship. So some women, essentially, or someone also, um, put on weight. Because, you know, that's their protection from being called into a relationship. They're like, well, you know, if I'm kind of like fat, nobody wants me. If nobody wants me, then I, I don't, I'm not going to get hurt in a relationship. The funny part is the road to happiness, happiness for these kinds of people is always through a relationship. It's not through protecting themselves from a relationship. Ironically, that's the one way to dissolve their karma. That is the one way to live a happy and fulfilled life. So I'm telling you that your way to healing your obesity is not around it by through it what I mean by that is not around and not like fooling yourself and not by creating all this padding but addressing the issue of what you're so scared of, but also at the same time what you desire so much and in dealing with that parts work can actually be really really helpful parts work is a really really good cure for obesity because it enables you to start meeting the part of you that is being served by you having this extra weight because there's definitely a big chunk of you a big part of you that is being served by that we have made episodes on parts work i strongly encourage you to go and listen to it if you want to take a deeper dive i would like to take uh one more question anything about the relation with your body that is going to serve the greater human collective uh speak now i'm ready to hear This one is actually different. Um, uh, a man is asking, what do I do if I cannot put on weight? You know, I'm too skinny. I cannot put on the muscle no matter how much I eat. You know, all this protein stuff doesn't work for me. You need to ask yourself, why does your body want to be skinny? Because like... That's the thing, right? If you cannot put on weight, that means that your current composition, your current structure of your body serves who you are. Let's think about it logically. Like the answer is actually really on the surface. And I will show you, I will share with you like my thought process and how I try to understand this so that you're able, right? I'm not just going to give you the answer, but I'm going to give you like the path to the answer. Because I need to teach you how to fish, because I'm not going to be able to sit down with every single one of you for a six-hour conversation about your body. So I need you to understand how to be able to heal yourself. And we can use this example. So you cannot put on weight. That means, by default, that it serves you on some level or it serves a part of you, a part of you, to be skinny. Right? Why? Why? Let's think about it. Why? Why would anybody want to be skinny? Do you guys have an answer? Actually, let me let me um ask the collective. The collective, why do you think anybody would want to be skinny? Uh ooh, somebody said attractive because they want to be attractive. Okay, that's an interesting way to wh- Why else would somebody want to be skinny? They're like, because it's cheaper to feed yourself. Okay, um, no. <laughs> Skinny is fast. Skinny is nimble. Skinny is flexible. You know you know the, the good old fight or flight? Yeah? Essentially, when the proverbial poop hits the fan <laughs> and it's a life and death, situa- death situation, you have two, two options. You fight or you flight. <laughs> you know? You fight, you take a warrior pose, warrior stance, you take out the sword, you go fight. Or you freaking run. For the people that cannot put on the weight, the answer is in a fight or flight, they run. And in order for you to run fast, it actually helps you to be freaking skinny. Because you can run faster without any of this additional, you know, stuff. Then you should be asking yourself, what is it that I am running away from? What is it that I'm running away from? Because if your whole body is optimizing for you to be skinny, it's optimizing for you to be in constant flight mode. It literally refuses to put on the muscle so you can be in the fight mode and finally stay and stick it out. Take your Zeus sword or sword of Archangel Michael and finally face it. What is it that you're running away from? Yeah, and the answer is going to be very different. I encourage you to take out a piece of paper and write down the answer to the question of what is it you're running away from. The answers could be very different for you. Judgment, my father, my father's expectations, my own expectations, failure. What is it you're running away from? And if it becomes a real problem, right, then you're going to have to do parts work too, the same way. Parts work, the only way to healing, because there is a part of you that wants to run away and struggles with facing something head on. There's, uh, you know, other renditions of of wanting to stay skinny. It's it's also a sign of impatience, right? Right, because somebody who is not able to put on weight essentially somebody who is optimizing for speed, right? So that means that one of your values and something that's inherent in you that you really need is I want to move faster. If I want to move faster, there's no way I can add extra weight because if I add extra weight, I cannot be as nimble. I cannot be as fast. I cannot be quick. It's going to slow me down. And by the way, I don't mean physical running in this case. Somebody can be impatient to hit their goal in business or, I don't know, graduate faster with better grades, whatever. Uh, Have three kids faster. (laughs) you know it could be many many different things of like trying to get to a place faster and because they're impatient it would be manifested in them not being able to put on weight right i hope this was helpful right but you should ask yourself what part of me is being served by being the way i am in the physical what part of it is served because there's always a reason there is always an answer Always. If you develop a pain in a part of your body, sometimes the reason that you have a pain in that part of your body is because it's protecting you from doing a particular type of activity that somehow could hurt you. If the boy doesn't want to play, whatever, football or soccer because he actually wants to, I don't know, read, play computer games, Right? But his mom is like, no, you cannot play computer games all the time. The boy can develop pain in the, both of his knees or one of his knees that would prevent him from playing soccer. And it would be a legitimate pain. Not going to be something that he made up, right? Because you also manifest pain in your body if it serves you. So that is also a very important question to ask yourself. You know, does this pain serve me? And if so, how could it possibly serve me? Right, and then to heal it, are you able and willing to move on and stop getting that payback? You know that that pain is getting you. That's really important. All right, one more question from the collective, something that's going to serve the greater humanity as long as it has to do with a relationship with your body. I'm ready to hear. Cool. The question is how can i do a quick scan of my body and understand what needs fixing or what is wrong we can develop a quick framework by the way i love that this question came through it's probably going to be the last question for today because it's a little bit dense but um what ends up happening is very often and precisely because of what i said earlier humanity is not necessarily paying attention is not necessarily a great listener when it comes to when it comes to talking to your body because of that because of that humanity and your body so let's just say your body at this point has accumulated all these toxins and all these residue and all of these debt in different par- parts of itself and because it did so and you were also not paying attention it's kind of like the you know like in, in apartments or whatever in houses that never get cleaned like they you know there's like a norm you know some some houses just tend to be really clean and some houses just tend to be dirty and like families that live in those houses like their norm is the norm right now whether the norm is a clean house or the dirty house is somewhere in between house it becomes a norm and because it becomes a norm people stop paying attention for as long as it's a norm right because people all, don't ever pay attention to what is normal or average or um, you know they only pay attention to the outliers so if your body is extremely toxic and polluted by you know toxic or contains toxins at this uh, you know is what i meant to say but it's your norm you know you may have multiple damping grounds inside of your body and you didn't even know it so one thing that we could do is a quick scan a quick scanning exercise I would like for you to pick a color and like, I love this because energy work is actually can be fun and playful. Pick a color, any color that you want, that we, we're going to collectively decide that whatever color you pick is going to be your signature color. That's going to signify any type of problem inside of your body, right? Let's say you picked a blue, nothing wrong with blue, love blue, beautiful color. Um, again, pick any color that you want. In a meditative state, you want to close your eyes. You want to start start with deep breaths. You know, you want to breathe in and out, in and out, freely. You don't need to, you know, do something that is terribly long or terribly deep. So you want to close your eyes, right? And you want to imagine your body. And we're going to do a full body scan right now. And you're going to move slowly from the very top of your head. know down and you're going to ask your body to show you any areas that need work and you can ask your body to highlight those areas using the color that you just selected in this case blue right you can zoom in also and zoom out by the way um depending on you know it might be easier i would like um, recommend that you you know you find the the level of proximity that feels good for you, because it's going to be very different. Some people would prefer to see their full body right away, you know, kind of like a little bit of a zoomed out version. And then they would be able to see multiple specks of blue, or multiple points within the body that are cor- colored with the color blue. And some people would just want to focus on the head area first, and then the chest area, then the belly area, the stomach area, then the hands and the feet, if that makes sense, right? Um, There is no right or wrong way of doing it. Also, different people have different levels of toxicity and different number of issues. You know, some of you are more healthy and more in tune with your bodies. Others are less healthy and less in tune with your bodies, right? So depending on which group you fall into, you might either need to zoom in or zoom out. But either way, like when you're doing the scanning exercise, it's 10 to 15 minutes as a practice, If you want to do a very good thorough job and you want to scan you know from up to down and you want to pay attention anywhere in your body that this blue color shows up right and so you're gonna go from top to bottom and notice you know where there is and also there is the intensity of blue some areas of your body can be like a very light blue and some of them are gonna be like the most cobalt blue like super saturated color And that kind of like speaks to the level, the magnitude of the problem and the level of toxicity within that organ. Now, um, once you have done this diagnostic, there is a way to do like a really quick energetic cleanse. Now, does that mean that, you know, you just do the energy cleanse and you don't need to do anything else? Unfortunately, not very often with physical organs, you're going to need to 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 do some work on the physical side as well. So it could be the detox overall. Actually, another thing that really helps is fasting. Uh, Fasting actually helps reset your body overall. So if you do this exercise and you see a lot of blue in your body, a three-day fast is what I would recommend. Ideally, you do it, you can drink water, water is fine. Um, And even some juices are okay, but not like you're gonna have to do the actual juicing without pulp. And you're going to, you know, you may want to go for like mostly vegetables and less fruit. So like carrots, you know, you can go with kale and greens, you can go with cucumbers, um, you can go with um, even tomatoes, you know, um, like uh, vegetable juices are, are, are good um, for the fast. But ideally, it would just be like a three day water fast. Don't worry. Uh, anybody, literally anybody can handle a three day fast if you set your mind to it, generally a three-day fast is the absolute minimum number of days that you need to reset your full body, right? Um, the only one thing you can have during the fast if you're absolutely hungry is you can have some watermelon. Watermelon is good for cleanse. It's not going to mess up your, um, you know, your healing. It's not going to prevent you from healing. So watermelon is actually really healthy and good. So don't worry about that. But there's also like a really quick way energetically that we can start transmute and we can start to kind of like aid and assist with your healing so a three-day fast powered with like say if it's like a liver that's a problem like a liver cleanse um, plus um, energy exercises you're set you're good um, there are many ways to do the cleansing on the energetic level uh, we can use the violet flame today because Violet flames are fun and you guys love the violet flame. We have an episode on the violet flame, if you need it uh, for background. We did it, I don't even know how long ago. It's one of our very early episodes. I think it's one of our maybe first 10 or 15 episodes if you want to scroll all the way down um, and you're really cu- curious about how to work with the violet flame. Um, but here's how we're gonna work with it today. So imagine that you are in the, in the violet flame temple um, and you're just, you were doing the scanning and you're in the, in the temple of the violet flame in the middle of the temple of the violet flame, there is ta-da, the violet flame, like essentially on the ground level, it's like a big, massive temple, right? A very high ceilings, very pretty, a lot of people. Um, and then in the very middle of the temple is a violet flame. So I encourage you to come up to the violet flame and put both of your arms and ins- hands inside of the flame. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's not going to burn. Obviously, it's an energy exercise. And what you want to imagine is that through the arms, through the palms of your hands, you're starting to almost like absorb some of the violet flame energy. Like the baby violet flames are starting to travel up your arms. And they these violet flames, these baby violet flames, the mini flames, are starting to deposit themselves in all the places of your body that you just scanned that are showing you any blue areas any problematic areas so you just want to notice these violet flames travel up to these areas and kind of plant themselves there and as they're planting themselves there right you want to make sure that each of your blue areas has a violet flame if the area is very potent if the area is very saturated with the color blue you want to make sure that the size of the violet flame that's working with that area is larger it's bigger it's more potent And then for lighter areas, you can have like a a really, really small flame. And then you want to imagine that that violet flame is transmuting the energy of that blue toxic area. And as it's burning bright, it kind of like envelops that area, almost like covers it and encases it encapsulates it. And as it happens, as it does so, as it gets to work, this blue color is being transmuted and it essentially turns into purple, right? So that energy completely transforms and as it turns into purple, it opens up pathways. And so that this, you know, almost like think of it as like um, vessels, kind of like the blood vessels that carry energy and prana around your body. You know, you could also think of them as meridians. So these meridians become unclogged. Because every time that there is a toxic a toxic energy, dense energy present, your meridians become blocked. Essentially, your pathways, your life highway, highways, however you want to think about it, they get... Um, yeah, blocked and um, uh, disbalanced. And so when you start clearing these blockages, what ends up happening is the normal flow is, um, it is 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 getting uh back in its original state, right? It's being restored. And so what you want to see is you want to imagine all of these meridians. And by the way, don't worry, like you cannot imagine them wrong. Just like imagine like your body was covered with these like vessels. Um, energy vessels and now just imagine that there's like purple violet flame energy coursing through each of these vessels covering your full body right and um, if you're still working on certain areas that are still blue send all of these purple violet flame energy straight into that sector straight into that uh, location so that it can be transmuted and healed and by the way um, you know you would probably want to finish this exercise by enabling your body to take as much of this violet flame healing energy from the violet flame temple as you need. And you can even, you know enable and allow your body to hold on to that energy for as long as it needs to. like you don't need to give it back. And then you just want to do like a quick gratitude ceremony. you just want to kind of like thank the violet flame for the work and the keepers of the flame for the work that they've been, you know doing on you for all the miracles and all the healing. So with all, you know, all of these gratitude, all of this love, you know, and full acceptance, you're in full acceptance of the healing. And, you know, when you're ready, when you feel ready, you may want to kind of like exit the meditation. And again, um, this is just the beginning. Don't forget about the fast. Now, does everybody need to do the fasting? No. But for for the ones of you that color blue is really really deeply saturated or you're feeling like you have chronic pains in your body or like in general you feel cold to do the fast to do the fast i recommend that as a really 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 healthy um practice it's honestly like better than meditation and very few things are you know i'm not just saying this lightly cool all right well this was fun uh, thank you so much for all of your insightful questions the collective thank you for tuning in Thank you for having this conversation about your bodies with me. I know I gave you a ton of practices in in this episode. I strongly encourage you to do yourself a favor and, you know, play with at least some of them. You're going to thank me later. I am doing this with full commitment to your health, to you being on the path. Um, I envision a lot of healing that's going to come out of this episode. It really warms my heart that um, I'm, you know, able to do that for you. And I hope that you had fun today and I will talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey, it is com. We hope to see you in future episodes.